Hi, this is John Harcher, and welcome to episode 20 of Keep On Grooving. 2019 gave Hendrix fans two things they've been waiting decades for. A look at the Royal Albert Hall film and a fuller version of the Band of Gypsies shows. This time, the box set did not disappoint. The next year was going to be a major one as the 50th anniversary of Jimmy's passing. But a worldwide pandemic made everyone's plans change, to say the least. Episode 20, The Sony Era, 2019-2021, A Box of Gypsies, Royal Albert Hall, and Live at Maui. After the disappointment of the Electric Ladyland 50th anniversary set, a lot of fans had a bad taste in their mouths over the content, the mastering issues, the packaging, you name it. As you can tell from my review, I was one of them, though I'm lucky not to have a really good system to listen to it since I may have been more annoyed. There was never really an acknowledgement from experienced Hendrix about, well, anything, good or bad, about it. In fact, we really didn't hear anything much except about the latest experienced Hendrix tour, which would take place in the last part of 2019 on the West Coast. A few sharp-minded fans remembered that the tours tended to happen around the time of a new release of some kind. When Darren and I saw the Experience Hendrix tour in Morristown back in October 2010, it was right after the West Coast Seattle Boy box set had been released. So could October be the month to look for something? Well, it turns out it was. Boy, was it ever. On October 1st, word went out that the next Hendrix release would be a box set containing material from all four Band of Gypsies concerts at the Fillmore East. The box would utilize the original multi-tracks owned by the late Paul Allen. The first use of these was when the entire December 31st first set was released in 2016 as Machine Gun. The full video containing most of the January 1st first set had been around officially for over 20 years, but we finally get that missing piece of Earth Blues. Now we'd also get material from the other two sets in performance order and in some cases extended from the previously released versions. Now, this being experienced Hendrix, it wasn't every song. There were several omissions, which I'll talk about when we do each set. But a big selling point countering that was the inclusion of two songs from the final set that not only were unreleased, but were completely uncirculated. And one of them was a song they only did once. Then on October 3rd, it was announced that the film of Jimmy at Royal Albert Hall would have its world premiere actually at Royal Albert Hall a few weeks later. After 50 years, the logjam was, well, breaking but not broken. It was being advertised and promoted as a one-time event and no future release was planned. Considering how hard the struggle was to get it this far, it's hard to believe it'll just be a one-off especially since one of the reasons for the current legal wrangling was producer Jerry Goldson's insistence of a wide release of 1,500 screens. So for now, he got one. I have to think there's something else going on behind the scenes, but as of now, we've just had that one release. I've seen the original version of the film thanks to a not-that-great transfer from a videotape I got in a store in Little Rock in 1989. Boy, I get a lot of Hendrix stuff on the trip down there. It contains a few extra bits and pieces, like a part where Jimmy is lying down with an acoustic guitar jamming on Hound Dog and Stoop Down. 
the bulk of it was concert footage shot with the house lights up and Jimmy wearing these kooky white boots. It had Lover Man, I Don't Live Today, Foxy Lady, Bleeding Heart, Fire, Little Wing, Voodoo Child, Roomful of Mirrors, Purple Haze, Wild Thing, and Smashing of the Amps. Actually, I'm assuming that last one's complete since my video cuts off at around 65 minutes and the full film is usually listed around 70 to 72 minutes. Now, if you remember those quote-unquote soundtracks from the early 70s, almost all the songs on the albums are in the film with the exception of Sunshine of Your Love. And of the first six songs performed that night, only three make the movie. The long ones, Stone Free, Hermitrina Cullen, and Red House, were left out. From what has been said by the people who saw the film that night, it was presented by Janie Hendrix and Jerry Goldstein. They said it was still a rough cut and the film itself didn't have any credits. The movie started out with Stone Free and included all the songs from the original version of the film except Bleeding Heart as a performance. That song was included as a listen back. In its place was Red House, leaving Hear My Train of Coming and Sunshine of Your Love as the only songs performed on the 24th, not currently represented in the film. Maybe this will change in a further cut of the film, should one be done. The saga is not over yet. Songs for Groovy Children. Okay, now back to the box set. The official name of the Band of Gypsies box is Songs for Groovy Children. A little on the goofy side to be sure, but it's based on a comment Jimmy made at one point during the show, so it has its basis in Jimmy lore. It came out right around Jimmy's birthday before Thanksgiving. I think it was the 22nd of November. I went over the first set pretty thoroughly back in episode 15. The short version is the set was unique in that none of the songs performed that set had been released on album or in some cases even heard by audiences. Songs like Power of Soul, Easy Rider, and Burning Desire made their debuts. Just to do a full set rundown, it was Power of Soul, Lover Man, Hear My Train of Coming, Changes, Isabella, Machine Gun, Stop, Easy Rider, Bleeding Heart, Earth Blues, and Burning Desire. The second set is generally considered the weakest of the four. It's the only show on the set where songs have been dropped, or so we thought. The set opened with Guy Lombardo ringing in the new year with Old Lang Syne, as was tradition back then. I'm old enough to remember watching him one New Year's Eve I spent with my grandparents. I think he was on CBS they would show it that night. Then the band kicked into their own version of Old Lang Syne before segueing into the debut of Who Knows. On Live at the Fillmore, it was edited to a little over three and a half minutes, but we get five minutes added back in here, closer to the original nine. The next two songs are dropped. Stepping Stone made its full debut after Jimmy did a snippet of the lyrics during the Voodoo Child Jam at Woodstock. As I mentioned several times, it was a difficult song to keep in time. I'm not sure how or why this evolved from the version on both sides of the sky, which was driving but had a steady rhythm, into this iteration that both Buddy and Mitch struggled with. Add in Jimmy dropping and flowing a few lyrics, and this doesn't make the cut. The next one is even worse. Jimmy leads the band into Burning Desire, but before he gets to the middle section, he brings the song to a close after less than three minutes. I get dropping this. Thing is, it's not 
bad at all. I'm not sure why Jimmy pulled the plug. The band gets back on track with Fire that appeared on the 2010 box and Easy Rider, this version making its debut here. The longest of the four machine guns is next, but Power of Soul gets dropped. It's the weakest of the four versions. There was one done at each show. There's nothing inherently wrong with it, so I wouldn't be surprised if this makes its way onto a B-side or something at some point. Stone Free follows, the one that appeared on West Coast Seattle Boy. However, this has all the material edited out of that version put back in. Them Changes is next, followed by the uh, preview track, Message of Love. They released it before the set to give fans a hint of what was to come. This version is shorter than the one on the original album. In fact, it's similar to the studio version the band had just cut and Jimmy would mix in August in that there's no solo. Yes, a Jimi Hendrix song with no solo. Wrap your minds around that. The Buddy Song Stop is reprised again, followed by Foxy Lady. The full version of this song is in the 9 to 10 minute ballpark, but this fades out around 6 minutes in. There's some cool bits, but Jimmy starts going out of tune and the song kind of stumbles to a finish. There may be another reason why the tapes may have run out for the night. Neither of the final two songs, Voodoo Child and Purple Haze, are included because it's surmised they were only recorded by someone in the audience, which turned out not to be the case. The next set is the most familiar to Hendrix fans since it's the one we've mostly had complete thanks to the videotape. His first two songs, Who Knows, and Machine Gun, being used on the Band of Gypsies album as side one, doesn't hurt either. Changes is next, complete with Buddy Vamping. This one is very socially oriented, uh, you know, dealing with civil rights and everything like that. It may have actually been a good fit to include complete in an earlier release. A good version of Power Soul is next, followed by possibly the best version of Stepping Stone Jimmy would ever end up doing live. It's not perfect, but it's tighter than the one they left off. Foxy Lady is next, and oddly enough, this full version is about as long as the one from the night before, after the edit. Frankly, I'd have preferred if they'd done something like Easy Rider instead, but they did what they did. We get the final version of Stop Next, complete instead of fading from the videotape, some set lists include Hear My Train of Coming in this spot. Problem is, there's not any audio evidence of this. Of course, it's right in the video gap between Stop and Earth Blue, so that compounds the problem. I think music journalist Tony Brown had a bunch of set lists that did include the song here. But without any evidence, I'm going with It Didn't Happen. The Complete Earth Blues is next, and The Best Burning Desire ends the night on a high note. Or does it? The main problem with this set being in such high clarity now is we can hear Jimmy and possibly Billy go out of tune towards the middle of the set and they never really get back in. Foxy Lady and Earth Blues have some pretty painful moments that the videotape kind of hid. The final set gets spread out over two discs and includes a lot more material than we've had before. The set opens with Stone Free, the same version as on Live at the Fillmore. Next up are three of the songs that make up side two of the original album. Power Soul starts off, and it's the full 
nine-minute-plus version. As I mentioned when discussing that album, Jimmy and Eddie edited out a few things to bring the song to under six and a half minutes. The full version of Changes It's Next, and it runs nine and a half minutes, so we get four more buddy minutes. This time he's like talking about his girl leaving him and everything, so it's not as relevant as the one he did in a previous set. Message of or to love is next in the set. Nothing was edited out originally, so it's the same here, followed by Machine Gun. The two actually sort of blend together, so if you listen to the original album, Message actually fades out instead of like a hard end. Now we know that it just blended right into Machine Gun. Then we get the two surprises. It turns out the band did another version of Lover Man in this night, not just one from the first night. It's a short one, barely over two minutes. I don't think Jimmy ever did a version of this this short. It's followed by a six-minute cover of the old Jimmy Hayes song, Steal Away. I guess taking the place of stop in this set, or maybe not. What makes these surprising is not only are they unreleased, they were never even bootlegged. The disc ends with Earth Blues, the same one as on Live at the Fillmore. The final disc kicks off with a few more previously released numbers. Voodoo Child and the semi-extended We Got to Live Together. It's still missing the six or seven minutes it was missing on Live at the Fillmore East. And if they were ever going to release the full version, you'd think here would be the place. There may be an issue with missing tape that still bedevil this set of concerts. The last song on live at the Fillmore, Wild Thing is next, followed by the two encores, Hey Joe and Purple Haze. Since this set uses brand spanking new mixes of the material, it doesn't replace the other two banded gypsy sets, but acts as a complement. If you want as much of the material as possible, you get this. If you're looking to go a little deeper and listen to the songs the way Jimmy and Eddie mixed them, go for Band of Gypsies and Live at the Fillmore. It's a good position to be in, having two sets of options instead of just one album with six songs. So this looked to be the final word on the Band of Gypsies concerts. We knew thanks to the bootlegs there were some songs missing from the second set on December 31st, and some edits to a few of the songs in that set, and two, We Got to Live Together. But it turns out there's more to the story after all. I mentioned I often hang out on Engineer Steve Hoffman's music message boards, and when discussing this set, the Tony Brown set list I'd mentioned before came up quite a bit. There was also some questions about whether all of the tapes that were acquired by Paul Allen in possession of the Hendrix Museum he set up were actually used. Normally, I'm of a mind not to go overboard speculating on things like this, but the appearance of the two new tracks in the final set left a bit of doubt in my mind. If two songs could appear out of nowhere with no previous evidence from practically anyone that they ever existed, who's to say there couldn't be more? Plus, a guy who reviewed the box set on Amazon mentioned he was at the final show, and he noted songs were missing as well. Several of us pestered the poor guy with questions, but to this day, we haven't heard anything back. Poster Dr. Garrow decided to email the museum and ask about the tapes. He got a response that included pictures of the track listings of the tapes they had. There were two sets of tapes for each night, as was the custom to catch as much as they could. Well, one tape ran out, and then the machine was running to fill the gap. The sets on December 31st looked to be all accounted for, at least from what was on the bootlegs. 
The second set did have the five songs missing on the box, but it appears there is a tape that captures the end of Foxy Lady and the two encores, Movie Child and Purple Haze. Now, the real fun begins when the tapes for January 1st were listed. The first set was released complete, actually more than complete if the tapes are correct. On both sets of tapes for the first set, the words end of set are listed underneath Earth Blues. If that's the case, where's Burning Desire? Well, if we go to the final set, everything is the same up until we get to Loverman. Both sets of tapes have stopped coming next, then Earth Blues, then Foxy Lady, Steal Away, Burning Desire, and onto Voodoo Child and the rest of the set. Now, where are Stop and Foxy Lady? And is this Burning Desire the one from the third set? Compared to the 2018 releases of Both Sides of the Sky and the Electric Ladyland 50th Anniversary set, there wasn't a lot of promotion done for this. Eddie Kramer appeared on some internet and radio shows after it came out. Some of these questions might have been answered there if there had been a few more appearances, but maybe not. After going over the set a couple of times, I figured this is as close as Experience Hendrix has come so far to releasing a complete sessions type of box set. The booklet includes essays by Billy Cox and writer Nelson George, but I'd also like to have had one from John McDermott going over the history of the band and the situation surrounding the album and the tape. What's here is a very good and enjoyable release. What could have been was a comprehensive look at these shows and how they were finally able to piece everything together. I made a joke early on that at some point we may get a two-CD dagger release of, who knows, The Band of Gypsies, December 31st, 1969, second set, to include all the missing and edited material. At the time, I thought only We Got to Live Together was edited from the final set. Now we may have to look forward to Earth Blues, The Band of Gypsies, January 1st, second set, someday. Originally, I was going to have 2020 and 2021 as a separate episode. But as I thought about it, the rough era to come really began for me in October of 2019 when my dad got his cancer diagnosis. Plus, I did a run-through, and it was only in the 12-minute ballpark, so I made the decision to put these two together. Think of it as kind of a bonus episode. So now we come to 2020. Well, this was a year we'd all like to forget, but we all had to live through it. It was going to be a tough year as it was with Dad's diagnosis, and then it got worse from there for everybody. Any little enjoyment we could take, we had to embrace. With a whole lot of closures, things were not going to be normal. In regular times, it would have been the year we marked the 50th anniversary of Jimmy's passing. But despite this, he had one of his most, quote-unquote, productive years in a long time in terms of releases. Four products hit the store shelves and web pages, giving fans something to look forward to other than checking every time they got a sniffle or sore throat. The one thing that did come out pretty much on time was a vinyl reissue of the original Band of Gypsies album in celebration of its 50th anniversary. Normally, I don't talk about the vinyl stuff since, say it with me, my record player really doesn't work. But this was a fairly nice package. It had all the things that were in the original album package, 
a poster, and an essay by John McDermott, likely the kind that should have been in the box set. However, thanks again to Gordon Johnson from Jim Press for letting me know it's an older essay I probably already have elsewhere. Even so, this is so nice I've attempted to buy it myself, even though, say with me again, I can't really play it. The problem is the prices have now gone up from $25 to $35, so it's holding me off. Gordon has pictures of it up at his selectvinyl.com site. Have a look at this and many other vinyl releases and reviews. He's the big vinyl guy I mentioned in earlier episodes, so this is really in his wheelhouse. So once the virus started taking hold and everything shut down, anything resembling normal just disappeared. Everybody stayed home. Got nuts. When it came to music, artists took to the web to put new material out. Bob Dylan released a 17-minute song about JFK. Neil Young finally decided to put out his 1975 album, Homegrown. When would Jimmy get in on it? Answer, in the fall, when releases started coming like leaves off of the trees. Okay, it's a bit of an overstatement, but between the first day of fall and the end of November, Hendrix fans had not one, not two, but three new releases to choose from. Well, one of them wasn't exactly new. The long-promised, long-gestating SACD of RU Experience finally arrived on September 30th. It was solicited as having the stereo and mono releases available, just like the Axis release. Apparently, they didn't take into account, or thought they could work around, that the album was a little over 40 minutes long, so having a stereo and mono track listing on the Red Book regular CD level wouldn't fit under normal circumstances. Somewhere along the way, Acoustic Sounds decided to include the mono mix on the SACD layer only. Eventually, it ended up being a change of distributor that caused the delay. Again, thanks to Gordon for the info. I dealt with this in the RU Experienced episode, so please have a listen to that if you haven't already. Now, just before that one came out, Experienced Hendrix announced live at Maui would be hitting the shelves, or internet pages in this case, on November 20th. We'll get to that in a minute. But right as we were drinking that news in, word came out that in early October that another Jagger release would be out by the end of the month. This time it would be the second volume of the PPX Curtis Knight Ed Chalpin studio recordings called No Business. Instead of giving us the rest of the studio recordings, they left a few of them still in the vaults. In their place, we got some alternate takes, Actual alternate takes, not like the old days with their albums and where they edited the same song or released it six or seven times over. And a bunch of demos with Curtis and Jimmy. Oh yes, and Jane Mansfield. I'll do this whole album in the Curtis Knight episode, which is coming soon. Just, Just wait. Then came the big one for the year. Live at Maui. This had been teased and hinted at for several years. I think I even remember a mention back in 2010 or so. The Rainbow Bridge film was a bit of a train wreck, so this will be a chance to set this aspect of the filming apart to be judged on its own. Like many of the other recent live releases, the set included a new documentary on the making of the film and Jimmy's involvement. And I have to be honest, while their legitimate criticisms discussed, 
I don't think anyone from Chuck Wine and Mike Jeffrey on down the line were treated unfairly or made fun of. Their ideas and actions were discussed pretty even-handedly. It's certainly an interesting document and worth a watch. The sets themselves were mostly presented in order. There was an acoustic number by a group called the Gemini Twins, and a crowd um, chanted that book-ended Chuck Wine's introduction, but they left those two things off. The set itself actually started with Spanish Castle Magic and Loverman, but due to a recording flaw that left out the introduction of Hey Baby, they chose to start the set with that song and move the other two until after the whole first set was done. Loverman also has a hiccup where a small part of the recording was missing, so they just edited it together. I've heard a version where they tried to splice an audience recording in the missing section in, and it doesn't sound great. The edit, in this case, is a perfectly acceptable decision. The bulk of the first set was represented in the film in one form or another. The Hey Baby In From The Storm medley was followed by Foxy Lady. Then there was a mashup of Here My Train of Coming, Voodoo Child, and Purple Haze. These songs are presented in that order and in full with the addition of Fire In Between Voodoo Child and Purple Haze. Kind of a strange place for it set-wise. It probably should have been before or Voodoo Child, but that's where it was. Then the album has Spanish Castle Magic and Loverman, followed by Message of Love, which was originally performed between Foxy Lady and Here My Train of Comet. Why was this moved? Possibly it could have been due to the missing segments of the recording, and it's a lot less jarring done this way. It wouldn't have bothered me to leave it alone, but eh, it's their release. Back when I discussed Rainbow Bridge, I mentioned the problems they had recording the concert, which resulted in some drastic action. One of those actions was having Mitch watch the film through a movieola, an editing machine with a small screen on it, then re-record his drum parts to match what he played in the film. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But the sound was distinctly different and clearer. Any of those songs in the first set that appeared in the film are presented on this album, with Mitch's drum overdubs. The songs that didn't appear in the film have the original drums, so it looks like Mitch was just shown certain songs the filmmakers were going to use and did those only. For the second set, Jimmy switched from his usual Fender Stratocaster to a Gibson Flying V. Apart from one little snippet from a different version of Hey Baby and some audio of Easy Rider appearing under a surfing scene, None of the second set was used in the film. So other than those two songs, Mitch's original drums appear on all of the songs in the second set. This set itself opens with the live premiere of Dolly Dagger, missing a couple seconds at the open. Villanova Junction, it looks like for the first time since Los Angeles in April, and the aforementioned Easy Rider. Red House and Freedom came next, followed by Jam Back at the House, again missing some audio at the beginning. It looks like that one showed up for the first time since Woodstock. The medley continued into a bit of Straight Ahead, then the short instrumental Hey Baby as seen in the film, which then morphs into Midnight Lightning and ended with a brief cover of Guns Race with the Devil. Jimmy also later did this song as part of the machine gun he did at the Isle of Wight. The concert ended with Stone Free and a little tease of Hey Joe. The documentary Blu-ray, sorry, no DVD, also contains almost 
all available footage presented as bonus chapters. The first set had the Gemini Twins, Chuck's intro, Hey Baby In From The Storm, Hear My Train of Coming, Foxy Lady, Voodoo Child, Fire, and Purple Haze. The second set has Dolly Dagger, Villanova Junction, Red House, Freedom, and Stone Free. Why they didn't include the little Hey Baby footage from this set that's in the film here is a mystery. It does show up in the end credits of the documentary. The Blu-ray menu also includes a bit of an unreleased Jimmy song as music, but the odd thing is it's definitely Band of Gypsies, with Buddy's distinctive drumming clearly there. There was one other thing that really kind of annoyed people is when the footage was missing, they would literally put up a sign and said, missing footage. I guess it's better than like trying to put B-roll into cover. I did that a little bit when I made a roadshow version of Led Zeppelin Song Remains the Same and put all the songs back in order. And then when there were a couple pieces, like in Heartbreaker, uh, where you needed to pad the film out a little bit to cover the cuts in the film, it got a little bad. In fact, I tried an extended Moby Dick, and it really didn't work at all. So they probably did the right thing doing it instead of B-roll, but it still looked odd. Had it been a more normal year, it's possible Experience Hendrix would have made a little more of a big deal about 2020 being 50 years since Jimmy's passing. But as it is, with the way things were, people weren't really in the mood for dwelling on death anymore than we already had to. Plus, there wasn't any way to do something on a larger scale, like an exhibition or some kind of Fathom event. Live at Maui did get these later the following summer when things opened up. Now, 2021 was as challenging a year in many ways as 2020. For me, it involved a move and a marriage, but no Jimmy album outside of a Record Store Day re-release of the Paris 1967 show from Dagger with the song from the Purple Box put back in their proper place. But 2022 would promise a huge set that was on many fans' wish list of the most wanted releases, myself included. And of course, things didn't go originally as planned. Next time, I wanted to do Experience Hendrix and Sony finally taking a look at giving us something resembling a comprehensive studio collection of the final part of Jimmy's recording career, which ended up getting delayed to, you guessed it, legal issues, we think. So, instead, yes, it's finally here, the Curtis Knight episode in all its glory. It'll be coming to you in early July. I'm going to kind of take a slow pace to the summer releases just to see if we get any word on the uh, 1970 box set. Fingers crossed. Please remember to hit the subscribe button if you like what you're hearing. I'm John Harcher. Thanks for listening. See you in July.